Welcome everyone to the Middle East Forums webinar series. I'm now proud to give control of this seminar to our moderator, Alex Selsky, Research Coordinator for the Middle East Forum and its Israel office, and of course, our guest, Mr. Eugene Kantorovich. Thank you, Greg. Good afternoon and welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar and podcast series featuring talks from the Middle East Forums projects. As Greg represented, my name is Alex Selsky from the Israel Victory Project, and I will be moderating this discussion today. The format will be 15-minute interview followed by the 15-minute of QA, QA from the audience. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the QA box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And now I am pleased to introduce our guest, Professor Eugene Kantorovich to discuss the real reason Washington insists on a Jerusalem consulate for Palestinians. Professor Kantorovich specializes in constitutional and international law. He is a professor at George Mason's Antonin Scalia Law School, School of Law, and director of the International Law Department at the Kohelet Policy Forum in Israel. His writings have, have appeared in the Los Angeles Times, New York Times, and Wall Street Journal. Professor Kantorovich has BA and Juris Doctor degrees from the University of Chicago and has taught there and at Northwestern University. Eugene, please, uh, we are very pleased to have you. Pleasure to be here. So uh, this is our topic. The real reason Washington insists on Jerusalem Consulate for Palestinians. So tell me, first of all, let's try to understand, is the issue so bad? Is it such a big problem for Israel? Um, and is it really, as people claim, a precedent for division, actual division of Jerusalem or not? Um, yeah, so it, it, in many ways, it's, it's even worse, uh, because what America intends to do by this consulate, the significance of opening a diplomatic mission to the Palestinians in Jerusalem, and getting Israel's permission to do so, is to partially undo the recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's undivided capital uh, that was first demanded by Congress in 1995, and finally actualized by uh, President Trump in 2019. Because <clears throat> the Biden administration is in the, uh, the following position. It uh, cannot, it, it wants to undo much of what, what it sees as the Trump legacy, even though the recognition of Jerusalem is of course a bipartisan priority and a bipartisan consensus for many decades. So it wants to go back in time from to before when that recognition occurred. But it can't actually come out and say we're unrecognizing Jerusalem precisely because it is such a bipartisan consensus and it would anger many Democrats in the Senate. At the same time, they really need to, they feel they need to appease their far left progressive flank, the squad and uh, that attendant movement, um, which, so, and for them, they only want major big ticket items, Jerusalem. So by opening the consulate, uh, by, by making Israel accept the opening of the consulate, uh, Israel, has not, you know, Israel has not allowed other countries to open 
diplomatic missions to the Palestinians in Jerusalem. They would be going back in time to before when America recognized Jerusalem in the sense that they're maybe recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital, but saying, but maybe it's also the Palestinians' capital too. Maybe it's not even in Israel. And the best proof of this comes from there was a very strange arrangement with the formal con former consul. The con there was a consulate there and took for uh, many years, but it was not opened up with Israel's permission. It was opened up under the Ottoman Empire. So it didn't say anything about Israeli sovereignty. But this consulate did not report to the ambassador in Israel. Now, some background. In standard diplomatic practice, the ambassador is the, the chief of his country's presence in the receiving country. So he is uh, the head of mission, and all the diplomats um, are responsible to him. Everyone who comes from his home country, government officials, have to check in with him. He's the boss. So all the consul generals, for sure, report to him. But the consul general in Jerusalem did not report to the ambassador in Israel, rather reported directly back to the State Department. Now, that made sense in, with, within the illogical framework of America's policy at the time. So America at the time, anachronistically, and I would say bizarrely, didn't recognize Jerusalem, not east or west, but any part of Jerusalem, as being in the country of Israel. Jerusalem was not in Israel, as far as America was concerned. It was a fiction. It was a fantasy. Um, and it was not about 1967. It was about not accepting 1948. And, and that's why Congress was so unanimously opposed to this. But it, so in the illogical universe, in which America did not say that, did not, did not uh, recognize Jerusalem as being in Israel, not having the consul general in Jerusalem report to the um, American ambassador to Israel made sense. Why should we report to the ambassador of a country that his consulate is not in? But now, supposedly, the policy of Jerusalem is in Israel. Nonetheless, the State Department wants the new consul general, if, if a consul general is established, to also not report back, to not report to the ambassador to Israel. That's unprecedented in American practice. That's, that's a very novel thing. And so the only, you know, what, what signal does it send? He doesn't report to the ambassador for Israel because maybe Jerusalem is not really in Israel. Jim, thank you very much. Now, if so, and you started to explain that, maybe the Biden administration insists so much as for them, it is much more important in terms of internal politics than geopolitically, not about Jerusalem, but about the, you know, the tension with the previous and hopefully not the next administration? Um, it's definitely a matter of domestic politics. Um, but I think, and I, uh, but I think uh, it's also a matter of foreign politics. They, the, 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 the Americans want good relations with the Palestinians. They want the, they want the Palestinians to see them as a friend. Of course, the Palestinians know that the Americans are very sympathetic, but the, the Palestinians are very savvy. And they say, we're not going to have good relations with America until they give us this concept. So they have fallen into the, uh, into the old trap of uh, taking Palestinian demands as basically facts of nature and Israeli demands as mere preferences that can be overridden. But, but, but clearly there, there's a support here for the Palestinians. They know the so the Palestinian prime minister a few um, weeks ago said this consulate 
is going to be is the undoing of the recognition of Jerusalem and the seed of a of a future Palestinian state. So they know that's going to be the Palestinian reaction, and uh, and that's what they want. So what Israel can do mm. to prevent this decision and its implementation, and how far you think Israel should and can go? So Israel can do um, a lot because there's maybe many parts of the uh, Trump legacy that the administration wants to reverse, but there's only one part that really requires Israel's consent. And in the, you know, you don't open an embassy, a diplomatic mission of any kind in a foreign country without that country's permission. So Israel, under international law, Israel can say no. And Israel indeed has said no. So now America is trying to coerce a yes. Uh, which is certainly um, unattractive, uh, doesn't look good. But America's treating Israel like a colony and saying, we don't accept your, you know, we don't, we don't take your no for an answer. We're going to make your no a yes. Um, it's unprecedented for, Amer for a country to bully and force another country to accept a diplomatic mission to a foreign hostile entity in their capital city. But Israel knows how to say no, they've said no, and what they need to do is stick to it. And they need to understand that America is going to now come in with carrots and sticks. The carrots uh, aren't really carrots in that they're mostly things that aren't going to happen anyway. So for example, you know, now we've all of a sudden seen, seen stories, maybe um, Israel is going to be accepted into the visa waiver program. That's a carrot, but it's very far off. It's not, it's a decade from happening at least and it could be undone, it could be revoked. It's not a carrot you actually get to chew. It's just the one that's dangled in front of you. And the sticks, there's many, uh, you know, there are hostile actions that uh, the United States can take. It's limited politically, but um, many of the actions it would probably take in response, it would eventually get to anywhere. And certainly if Israel shows that it will accept American bullying and accept American intimidation on the matter of sovereignty in its capital, then, uh, I think America will feel it can do anything it wants um, to Israel. So, you know, the uh, State Department likes to say the president, Joe Biden, made a campaign promise. Now, it's a fairly obscure campaign promise. I don't know if you asked most people, uh, did you know that Joe Biden promised to open a consulate in, in Jerusalem, whether they would know. But if he made a campaign promise, he has to understand, you know, politicians don't fulfill all their campaign promises. And certainly the ones you're going to be less likely to fulfill are the ones that that in another country's capital that require another country's consent. So, you know, start fulfilling the campaign promises you can fulfill yourself, not the campaign. You know, basically, you can't make a campaign promise for another country. I, my campaign promise is Israel is going to open a, allow us to open a consulate to the Palestinians. So do you believe that if Israel insists, Biden administration can withdraw from this uh, issue? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a fundamental issue. Um, it's a tree that they've climbed up, I think, because they didn't expect, they didn't expect uh, how hard, you know, how uh, stiff Israeli resistance would be. But I think it doesn't matter. I think even if, you know, the Biden administration is going to be pushing for four years for this, Israel has to say, Jerusalem is a red line. It's a red line for all parties. The fact that the administration doesn't know this is, is I think, a major failure of Israeli diplomacy, because in fact, it is a red line, right? And the fact that the administration didn't get this suggests that they've been talking too much to peace now and not enough to the Israeli foreign ministry, right? That they've been somehow told that a division of Jerusalem is acceptable, Israelis don't really care, 
uh, and, and that's just not the case. Even you know, part, from European to the right, there's a consensus about the unity of Jerusalem. So you believe that Israel is Israeli government, as it is today, is capable to insist because there is consensus from the left to right. So especially it's this capable. government. That's what we're going to. Right? It requires intestinal fortitude. It requires guts, bravery, determination, and perseverance. And, and, and you believe that they have these guts and, bra and bravery? It's not a matter of have. I mean, like it's possible they'll do this. So far, they've taken a very good position. And they need to continue to take it. It's a constant battle. They're going to have to get up every day. And, you know. Do you believe they understand that, as yes, you just said, that Biden... They understand no, the stakes. If they understand that if they insist and go until the end, the administration can withdraw. Uh, it doesn't matter if they can, you know, withdraw. Um, this is a fight Israel can't afford to lose because once the consulate is established, you can't undo it, right? So the things Biden is promising, maybe the Saudis will be nice to you, maybe you'll get some weapons. Those are things that happen later and can unhappen. Right, America can say, "Oh, we didn't like your operation in Gaza. You're not getting the weapons anymore that we gave you that we promised you for the consulate." Um, whereas the consulate, America, Israel can't shut down an existing American consulate. Uh, and once that consulate opens, all restraint will be off, and it will start openly acting as an embassy to the Palestinians. It will most likely be run by uh, Hadi Amar, um, currently in the State Department, and pursue such an anti-Israel policy. Israel's not going to know what to do with it, and it's going to be right there in the middle of Jerusalem. And they would have agreed to it. So that is to say, Israel's problems won't end. If it just says yes, it's not like all of a sudden everything's good, and there's going to be good relations with, with the Biden administration. Rather, they will have agreed to a beachhead of the most radical anti-Israel position emanating from uh, inside a U.S. diplomatic presence in Jerusalem with Israel's permission. But maybe for Biden's administration, this is just another stage for negotiations on something much bigger, let's say Iran, and not state. Um, I don't I don't believe that precisely because Iran is so much bigger. Right. This Jerusalem consulate in, 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 issue is of interest to like a small number of you know Israelis and Palestinians, maybe <laughs> peace activists, whatever. The um, Iran issue is a fundamental global security issue, right? The stakes to America could include war, right? War with a nuclear power. That's not something that just balances off. So, if, you know, first of all, if America suggests concessions on Iran, first of all, it's unsincere, right? It's unsincere. If Biden believes that we can't have a war with Iran or we need to pursue a certain policy, he's not going to change that to give um, Ilan Omar a consulate in Jerusalem. Uh, she's one of the people demanding this. And if he believes, you, so uh, it, the stakes are, it's apples and oranges. And the only reason the issues would be linked would be to, you know, make Israel feel that they're getting something out of this. But it, it's inconceivable that these things could trade off in, in any way. I see. Okay, good. Good to hear. Okay, we, uh, we have finished the uh, first part of the interview of uh, 15 minutes. So let's go to uh, the audience. And we happily have many people who listen to us. And, uh, and we'll ask uh, questions. So Shaul Linsblom asks, how do you comment on what the mayor of Jerusalem previously said that the Jerusalem municipality would cooperate with the consulate if the US decides to open it? Isn't that a major error? 
Um, I think you have to read his comments in context. Um, you have to know how to read newspaper articles. If you read carefully, what he said is they would not cut off the power, you know, the water and electricity to the consulate. And that's arguably not the job of the you know, Jerusalem municipality. The government of Israel agrees to this, which would be a colossal mistake. Why does the mayor of Jerusalem have to, you know, starve out and besiege a U.S. diplomatic mission? That doesn't make sense. So he said he was against it, but that it wasn't going to cut the water, which is a very low level of cooperation. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Shapiro asks, is this a hidden opportunity to obtain U.S. approval or silence for the declaration of Israeli sovereignty over the Jordan Valley in exchange for allowing the consulate? No, this is a one-way street. America is demanding Israel give in. It is offer, willing to offer face-saving measures of no genuine value, but it does not believe this is something it needs to pay for. It believes this is something that should be free. Uh, and it would certainly not pay. I mean, the point is to weaken Israel in relation to the Palestinians, not strengthen Israel. So for sure, it would not agree to, to that. The next question, uh, Murray Feldman asks, can Foreign Minister Yair Lapid be trusted to continue to say no? He has expressed his support for a two-state solution. And in final status negotiations, would he be willing to give up half of Jerusalem? Uh, he says no. Um, I mean, I don't think any politician can be trusted. Uh, you know, they need to be subject to explanation and public pressure. Uh, but he's done a very good job so far. Again, the pressure is only going to mount. Uh, we're only at the beginning. After the budget passes and America thinks that uh, the coast is clear for the uh, safety of his government, it's likely to quadruple pressure. You know, I would ask... You know, ah, this is actually the next question exactly. <laughs> did Foreign Minister uh, Julia Messer asks, did Foreign Minister Lapid and Prime Minister Bennett initially say no, as you suggested, or actually say not before the Israeli state budget is approved? Um, I don't know. I wasn't in that conversation. The Americans seem to think that they said after the budget. But that doesn't mean they didn't say no. It's like when you're asked for something you don't want to do, you'll say, you know, Akhre Hagim, later, manana. Um, there's no formal form in which a no must take, right? It's just not giving affirmative consent. And they have not given affirmative consent. I think they need to vigorously make this point every day. Uh, but they've done a reasonably good job. David... Levine asks, what leverage does Israel actually have other than saying no to pressure the United States to back down from the decision to open the consulate? Uh, saying no is, is, is a lot of leverage, right? That's, they don't need leverage. They just need to not do it. Right? In, the, in the end, it's Israel's decision, not America's, not just America's. Israel has a veto, which is, that's, that's better than leverage. If this happens, it is only because the government decided to go along. And if this happens, it's only because the government couldn't handle it. Stephen Orlow asks, if the refusal by the present government to allow the consulate would threaten the existence of the coalition, what do you predict would be the outcome? I don't think the refusal would threaten the, the uh, coalition. Um, I think doing it would threaten the coalition. 
that man, you never know, you know, it all depends on how people make their individual moral and political accountings. Ken Miller asks, if the Americans have a Palestinian consular post in East Jerusalem, would there be not be movements by the Palestinians to reclaim neighborships, neighborhoods such as Pisgat Zev, French Hills, etc.? I think Palestinians already claim all of Jerusalem as their own. So, but yes, presumably it would strengthen there, embolden them further. Definitely, definitely. Um, David Kushner asks, do you believe that Biden himself is making these decisions or he, or is he merely controlled on such matters by the progressives and leftists largely inhabiting his administration? Um, and this is a sub-presidential level. I mean, Secretary of State Blinken is fairly involved. And that's the level it would normally be run at. Uh, you know, why they want this? I mean, I think it's clear where the initiative for this comes. There was a letter by 73 of the most progressive Democrats, a push by Ilan Omar. Uh, th this is part of the progressive agenda. That's exactly the next question. Mr. Madam asks, can you comment briefly about the pro-Palestinian wing of the Democratic Party? Who are they and are they powerful? Um, yeah, I don't have much to add to what you read in the news. It's a group of progressives. Um, they do seem to be powerful. Um, I'm not exactly sure why Nancy Pelosi is as afraid of them as she is. Um, it's, it's mysterious to me. Um, the power comes from, uh, I believe that, uh, I don't know, I think there's a sense amongst older Democrats that their, their youth gives them a kind of forward moving inevitability. Um, I think that that sense is wrong, but uh, they definitely have an ability to intimidate uh, moderate Democrats. Donald Gluck asks, if Israel accepts the Biden administration's demand to set up a consulate for the Palestinians, will the Israeli government fall? I have to go back to my previous answer. It could fall. Um, members of the coalition have said it would be a huge deal to them. And then the politicians have to make their usual calculation. Are they going to do what they said they're going to do? Or are they going to say, well, now circumstances have changed, it's unreasonable, I can't do that, other bad things will happen. So the individual moral accounting, it's very unpredictable how that would happen. Isa Cohen asks, in exchange for a Palestinian consulate in Jerusalem, could Israel obtain the assurance that the US would support and participate in attacking Iran nuclear facilities? Uh, again, I have to go back to my presentation. So it's like a totally different stand. They can maybe get such an assurance, but then like, what are you going to do with it? You're going to be like, oh, we want to attack Iran today. The Americans are like, no, thanks. But what, you gave us an assurance. And then what, are you going to go to the press and cry that America promised you something about Iran that you shouldn't have believed in the first place? America would take itself to war for a consul in Jerusalem? Unbelievable. But also, I don't think it would be a good deal, by the way. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, the undivided capital. You don't bargain about your capital for something that is a, a, a tangential consideration. Right? Iran is like a general security consideration. You don't give away your capital to get security. Right? 
That's, that's, that's the, you fight a war, right? Losing your capital is what happens when you lose a war. So oh, maybe there's going to be this war with Iran. So, so now we'll give it, we'll pay out with our capital up front. That doesn't make sense. Um, it's a very high price to pay. And also, you know, I don't believe that Israel should take upon itself the cost of paying off America to take a good policy towards Iran. Iran is a worldwide problem. And it's, uh, it's absurd for Israel, one of many countries affected, or the entire Middle East is affected, Europe is going to be affected, and whoever thinks they're not going to be affected are going to wake up, they're also going to be affected So uh, by a nuclear Iran. So Israel should trade its capital to save the rest of the world. That uh, seems unreasonable. Next question. Some of the questions definitely repeat and we have answered before, but yet I will, I will try to, to you know, read as many comments and questions as possible. Tafi Gould asks, does the US Congress have a say in setting up a consulate for the Palestinians? Um, I mean, not formally, but it can say things. And certainly 200, just, uh, just, this, just this week, 200 Republican congressmen, all but 12 of the Republicans in Congress wrote a letter to Biden against it, compared to 73 Democrats that J Street had rounded up to write a letter uh, for it, um, which, which shows that, you know, on the Republican, this is, well, this includes all wings of the party amongst the Democrats, it's, it's more the extremists. Um, but they could do things like in the future, uh, block funding for such a consulate and otherwise obstruct its operations. Mitchell Lipkin asks, would saying no spell the end of the US and international goal of a two-state solution? No, no. It would just spend, this, uh, it would just, uh, no, it would just, it would spend the end of Israel making an own goal on itself by agreeing to give away its capital outside of any kind of negotiations and outside of a two-state solution. Another no, question. I, from, no, the, this is an ongoing struggle. Another question from Taffy Gould. Can Israel hold off on making a decision until after next year's midterm elections in the US? I don't know what the midterm elections would change, by the way. Um, if the Republicans uh, take uh, a House of Congress, you know, one theory so it would suggest that Biden would focus even more on. Uh, foreign policy, but Israel can hold off indefinitely. They just have to not agree. They have to say no. They have to say, we made a campaign promise. We said Jerusalem is, is the capital of Israel. We said Jerusalem is undivided. And that is true of the majority of parties in the coalition. They need to say, we made a campaign promise. You know, an interesting idea, an interesting question I just have, but you know, what happens if tomorrow the United States administration wants to put a consulate in Ramallah? Can Israel allow that? Will Israel have? Israel suggested that as an alternative, but the Americans are not interested because the goal is to turn back the clock on Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem. So it's not yeah. issue about Palestinians, it's issue about Israelis in Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mindy Stein, Stern, Stein, sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry if I misspell any of the names. Uh, Mindy Stein asking, will the Americans use the funding for the Iron Dome as a weapon against Israel if the Israelis do not agree to open the American consulate? Um, potentially, 
Um, but that again, if they do, it only proves my point, right? That this is not just some technical issue about an office to like handle Palestinian visas, about you know having a place to have coffee with a boss. That it's a fundamental issue. So if it's that important, if it means that much, it's probably still not a good deal. Right? Money is money. You can get new money. You can other well, money. Money can come from many sources. Um, there's only one Jerusalem. There's lots of different monies in the world. There's only one Jerusalem. And let's say the Palestinians get the American consulate set up in Jerusalem. What's next? What other steps will the Americans then proceed to take pressure? Israel? Oh, well, even just the consulate will become just, uh, like I said before, a source of constant condemnation of Israel. It will be like a peace now diplomatic, US diplomatic accredited mission in Jerusalem. The previous consulate was fairly hostile to the Israeli government, but it was still had never been formally established as a mission to the Palestinians, right? They just dealt a lot with the Palestinians. That wasn't their sort of formal role, was not a diplomatic mission to the Palestinians. This is being explicitly billed as we need a diplomatic mission for the Palestinians. So again, um, is this a one-off objective or part of a larger American strategy to pressure Israel well, on the, the Palestinian question? Yeah, yeah, of course, it's a larger general strategy. I think that uh, I think you know, I think uh, Tony Blinken told the truth when he said uh, a Middle East peace deal is not likely anytime soon. Palestinians are not ready, so the Americans know the Palestinians won't make a deal. So they're just setting up to give them various aspects of the deal for free, anyway. But just to say the American reaction to the Palestinians not being ready to make a deal is not to say, oh, like, let's forget about this whole thing, but to say, like, how can we give them what they're saying no to anyway, for free? Again, thank you very much. Very unfortunately, the time is up. Do you have any conclusion or declaration hmm. to summarize? Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't get into bargains about Jerusalem. Uh, I think that's a big mistake. I don't think there's any bargain to be made, first of all, and I don't think any bargain that could be made would be, uh, would be a, a, a good one, um, because Jerusalem is, the, is fundamentally the historic and national identity uh, of the Jewish people, and I think that's why it's being targeted so early and so heavy. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Professor Kantorovich. Thank you very much for all the participants, and we had many, for all those who sent their questions. And uh, talking from Jerusalem, I can only agree on 100% with, uh, with your conclusion. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for participation in the series, and we'll talk next time. Goodbye. Thanks. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Professor Kantorovich. We will be holding our next webinar on Wednesday at 4 p.m., I believe, with Ashley Perry. Please look for the link in the mail. If you have any other questions, feel free to email us at info at meforum.org. This is the end of our webinar.